0: talk is jericho it's the pot of thunder and rock and roll all right speaking of a guy who got a haircut used to have super long hair back in the 70s i'm talking about the legendary meatloaf that's right he's got a brand new studio album coming out on friday it's called braver than we are and he's making his debut appearance on talk is jericho to tell us all about it actually uh, he got lost on his way to the studio for two and a half hours had no cell phone uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to hear that when the conversation starts. But when the conversation starts, it's a good one. He's got some killer stories about working with his longtime collaborator, Jim Steinman, on one of the biggest selling records of all time, Bat Out of Hell, uh, and the Bat Out of Hell two records, which I think have sold almost 100 million records combined worldwide. Jim wrote the songs. Meatloaf sang the songs. And yes, there are songs that Meatloaf wanted to do that Jim wrote, but he gave to other artists, like Celine Dion. There's a great story. Meat will also tell us what he thinks. Why he thinks Bad Out of Hell was so successful. Why he calls himself an actor playing a singer. Have you seen his live shows? He's so uh, intense on stage. He's also going to talk about his son-in-law... Anthrax guitar player Scott Ian and why he initially did not like him. All right, Scott's married to Meatloaf's daughter, Pearl. They've been together a long time. And what you're going to hear at the beginning of this interview is part of the story of how it happened or actually almost didn't happen in the first place. I sat down with Meatloaf in a small studio outside of Austin, Texas, pretty close to Meatloaf's home. But the studio... Um, Well, I'm not sure if it wasn't really, it's not really, it wasn't really hard to find. It's just, uh, for whatever reason, I guess he hadn't been there and didn't really know where it was. It was pretty close to his home, but Meatloaf actually drove around for almost two hours looking for it. He couldn't find the studio. He didn't have a cell phone, ultimately gave up and went back home. When he got home, his wife told him to get back to the studio and got him to the interview just in time I had to leave to catch a flight it was right after our last um, international tour where we went from uh, we were in Australia and New Zealand we got back and I drove from Corpus Christi to Austin specifically to talk to Meatloaf I think we we're supposed to meet at 1 ended up starting at about three ten and I had to leave at like 4 to catch my flight so uh, we got 50 minutes with uh, with Meatloaf but that's where the interview starts you hear him talking about not being able to find the studio. And that is exactly why he was so flustered. It's a crazy story, uh, the type of story that uh, I love to tell. Speaking of crazy stories, we just got back from the craziest travel tour of my 26-year career. Uh, We flew from Kansas City Raw to Atlanta, had a four-over layover in Atlanta, then flew to London, Got into London at about 9 in the morning. By the time we got to the hotel, it was about noon. Left, I think, at 5.30 to go to the venue, the O2 Arena in London. Did a sold-out show. There was over a million-dollar house in London. That's a true story. Had a killer match with Roman Reigns. Went back to the hotel and had a couple drinky-winkies with my friend Jack Slade and uh, the, the club and a couple other dudes. Then we got up in the morning, flew to Hong Kong, uh, had a three-hour layover in Hong Kong, then flew to Manila. We got to Manila, I think, at about 1 o'clock. Left to go to the show, I think, at 6 Did the show, came back to the hotel, showered up, had a bite, went straight back to the airport at 1 o'clock, left I think at 3.30 or 4 in the morning for China, landed in China at noon, left for the building at 5, did the show in China, once again uh, another great match with Roman Reigns, came back to the hotel, recorded a hilarious talk and shop live in Shanghai podcast, Uh, got uh, pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. It was a crazy night. Got back in the plane, flew back to, uh, to Detroit and then Detroit to Baltimore. When I got uh, to the airport in Detroit, it said uh, you grab your bag, you go through customs, it says take a right to make your connection, take a left to exit the airport. Everyone was supposed to take a right to make a connection to Baltimore. I couldn't take it. I just took a left. I walked out of the airport. Like a damn G. (laughs) Walked out of the airport, uh, changed my flight, got a hotel in Detroit, and just relaxed there. That was exactly what I did. And now I'm finally back at home after Raw last night in Baltimore. What a show it was. What a tour it was. I'll tell you what. uh, Great, great crowds in London, Manila. And the China crowd was good, too. The first time we went there, they were a little bit confused. That was six years ago. Now they're rocking. They were chanting, holy shit. And they were chanting, this is awesome. So good to see we're breaking into that. Chinese market, but I'll tell you what it was 40 hours in the air in five days okay, so five days times 24 is 120 hours, we spent one third of the hours in the air what do you think of that? Just, just just, picture that for a second. 40 hours out of 120 flying. That's the kind of crazy weekend we had. Three continents in five days, but that's the life of a WWE superstar. It's uh, touring the world like a rock star, man. Touring the world like Meatloaf. Very, very crazy stuff. And speaking of crazy, let me tell you about Team Tiger Awesome. What a show they've got going on on the Jericho Network. Mundy, Gage, and Truly. You know them from their appearances right here on TIJ. Star Wars Symposium, Who's Hot and Who's Not, the summer movie preview. They've got their own podcast now, the second one I signed to the Jericho Network right here at Podcast One. It's uh, it's killing it. Last week they had a, a great episode about uh, why all sitcom schlubby fat dads always have hot wives. <clears throat> that's the type of stuff you get in Team Tiger Awesome, right? I mean, come on. what well, that's the truth. Like the King of Queens schlubby dad with a hot wife you know uh, Phil Uncle Phil from uh, Fresh Prince you know you get the hint you guys can see it the dude from Family Matters I mean come on that's the type of stuff they're talking about over on Team Tiger Awesome and they're talking uh, they're really chopping it up over and keeping it 100 with Conan that's been killing it in the podcast world that is a legitimate huge hit you gotta subscribe to both go to iTunes hit the subscribe button leave both a 5 star rating and review you'll be entertained I guarantee it you'll also be entertained right here on Talk is Jericho with Meatloaf
1: this is the only place I didn't drive into. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's such a... It's such I a,
1: went all, from the da- all the way across the dam, all the <laughs> way back, going into every little... It, it, I Travis
0: got, and Nook tra- and everything? Yeah, I got
1: trapped well, in a swimming pool. That, that's funny
0: um, how it is now. If you, you forget your cell phone at home, it's I like... I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Doesn't I mean like you lose your lifeline. Like that's the world we live in, right? Why
1: didn't you call? I said I was trying to find a (laughs) payphone, which is it's like trying to find a
0: dinosaur nowadays, right?
1: (laughs) <laughs> but that's the it's thing. Just, well, why didn't you go into an office? I'm not going in an office. and can go. Can I use your phone? You
0: don't think if Meatloaf walked into an office, someone would go, "Sure, take a phone."
1: <laughs> but it's great, though, man. Not you find my style.
0: You made it here, barely, barely. We're just at the at the wire, but yeah. it worked out. It worked out here here with Meatloaf, and uh, it's funny. That's just how it works sometimes, man. You know,
1: you'll never forget this I, I, interview. Uh, what? I left the house at 1.15. It's now four o'clock. I've been waiting here at the studio, watching the tick away, going, oh,
2: "I hope he gets here. I hope he gets here."
1: Uh, I, <laughs> my GPS, GPS gave me at least a half mile down the road. You've reached your location, <laughs> and that's the thing too. We
0: follow the GPS like it's gospel. You know, it says it's on the right. Where is it? Because I had the same thing. I pulled into an empty lot. And there's nothing there, but you're looking. I
1: went went through swimming pools and law offices, and I I was going everywhere. I I said, "I give up. I don't. I don't know where to go. (laughs) What else can we do?" But you made it. Your wife
0: came and found you. She led you here, and uh, and and we're here. So it's it's good, man. It's funny. We've met a few times briefly in the past at different shows here and there with uh, through Paul Crook. And then of course through your daughter Pearl. Yeah. And then Scott. We Scott, yeah, your son-in-law Scott. How was
1: that, first of all, when she brought home a rocker? Oh, when she when she first started going out with him, I didn't like him at all. Scott Ian from Anthrax. Yeah, I didn't like him at all. What's that? I, oh, I, I just didn't like him. You're, just,
0: not, you're not supposed to like your daughter's boyfriend, right? You no, know, no, I really like him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's really They're really a good couple. they got a great kid. Mm. They really care for each other and take care of each other. And they've been together now almost 17 years.
0: Yeah, around that, right? Yeah. What did you think of Scott's band? Did you know Anthrax at all?
1: No, not really <laughs> yeah. I, st- I, I still don't <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing you, you, The thing about
0: me, about your music That I always like Being a, a heavy metal kid Is it does have A heavy element to it It's very Almost that operatic style Of, of heavy metal style
1: Yeah, it's not It's not like Iron Maiden But it's mm-hmm. like uh, I don't consider it operatic um, I think it's rock It's just The only reason people Would call it operatic Because the songs are long Mm-hmm it, does, it doesn't have that. It has more of a, a truth about the moment song to me. It's all about the people who sang them, sang them, sing the songs. Because I don't sing the songs.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Every, there's characters that sing all ah. the songs. And those characters, like I'm better to hell, that guy lives yeah. in the truth of that moment. And he wants that girl to go with him so bad that he's willing to say to her, "I'm gonna die at the bottom of a pit." And you know, I can't remember the rest of the yeah, lyrics, the burning blaze or you know, yeah. yeah, whatever. I'm gonna go that. to hell
0: to, to get you.
1: Yeah, I whatever I gotta go through. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't sing those songs. Mm. I, I I don't sing any of them. It's like the new album. Braver Than We Are Yeah, opens with a song that Jim Steinman wrote when he was 19 years old. And uh, I went to his manager. I said, I want to do an album with Jim. He goes, oh, you can't do that. So I left his office and kind of went, F you, and got in touch with Jim. <laughs> and Jim goes, yeah, let's do it. I got I got a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. we can do. And uh, he said, but we got to do Who Needs the Young? And I said well that's, that's the only one I know for sure we're doing And that opens the record as the most politically incorrect song ever It's also
0: very strange It's almost like a, a early Queen song Or like a Zappa type song It's, it's a
1: 1930s cabaret Like
3: mm-hmm.
1: Brecht or, or Kurt Vile, uh, But it opens with the southern blues mm-hmm. That's in 4-4 four, four time We switched to 3-4 time and Jimmy wrote it was ni- when he was 19. Jimmy's not a method writer, uh, which means, for those who don't know, like method actors, method writers, you draw from your past mm-hmm. to get there. Jimmy writes nothing about his life or any, anything about his life. Mm-hmm. It's all – he's a novelist and it, it, it's all fantasies. So I've never asked him the question in all, since 1972, why have you written this song? I never asked him that question. And he knows I do everything in character, and he never questions my characters. <laughs> so we're, we have no idea <laughs> what either of us mean. We just know that it works. And so I knew that Who Needs the Young, he wrote when he was 19. Mm -hmm. And that the character was very, very, a 19-year-old who is really angry at the world. We we don't know why. I mean, I know why, but I'm not going to tell you why. (laughs) Uh, Because I had to give him a reason to be angry. So when I start the song, it's very... Who needs the young? The revelation of their faces and their hair—it's very angry and tough and march-like and uh, drill. And as and it gets into the bridge, it gets even. Who needs them? You know, mm-hmm. their eyes just aren't what they were. Their eyes just aren't what they were. No one left to can see. And and then then at the end, he starts to calm down, and I get him more lyrical and more, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's quieter and he's... And so at that point on Braver Than We Are, I decided that every character on the record would be 19 years old. Hmm. And it was all fairly easy to, to put them in that place. And like when the girls would come in, like on, on
2: uh, 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 oh, the, going all the
1: way. Yeah, going all the way. Um, Ellen and Carla, I explained to them where I was coming from. And, you know, I coached them a little bit. Coached. Uh, they're, they're both actresses, so mm-hmm. they don't need a lot of coaching. The hardest one to put together was a song called Souvenirs which is really probably if I was going to do it in a character it should be somewhere around between 35 and 40. Mm-hmm. But I had to I had to make him 19. And so I did and it, it was very funny uh in the studio I guess the character was so like Intense. That Paul Paul Crook, who's the producer, mm-hmm. did a great job. Just stopped it and said, "Why are you doing this to me?" <laughs> and I, I, I go, oh, "I I don't doing what?" He goes, "Why are you acting like this? Why are you treating me this way?" And I sit down. I go, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Hmm. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, "I I I feel like I'm gonna throw up." And I'm going, I'm not doing anything to you, I swear. And he goes, "Then you mean the character is that intense? I said, oh, yeah. Hmm. He said, the room is so intense. It's, it, it's, it's making me ill. He said, your character, what you're doing now is you're projecting... So much of this character And uh, I do that live mm-hmm. I mean I really project live
0: Well you're so intense live Like you said embodying these characters and why Yeah
1: I not- because I, 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 I always And I, I, I I've, I've hurt my back So I haven't been able to work out like normal mm-hmm. But like when we were doing Vegas I, I could do like 40 minutes On the elliptical and not even breathe heavy mm-hmm. But then when I get to the show, I, I go into the, 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 God, he makes it look hard. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm, I don't have to. you know, That's
0: and the part that you're playing, though.
1: Yeah. And, and so people go, God, I thought he was going to die. <laughs> oh, God, I'm tired. And I'm going perfect. Because I'm always, I've, you hear people go, they make it look so easy. And I said, I'm going to make it look really hard.
3: <laughs>
1: I, don't want, I don't want to make it look easy. It's mm-hmm. got to be, this is tough. These characters are tough human beings. Except for when it gets to the songs like Cry Out Loud or Heaven Can Wait, on this album, Speaking Gang in Tongues. Great tune. They're not, it's the first time I ever sang harmony with myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was so strange, and it's so weird to listen to. But it's it's a gorgeous song. And Jimmy, uh, oh, I wish I'd have brought my letter. I forgot. I couldn't find it for two hours. <laughs> forgot my letter. <laughs> and go, on, your go on Meet Love Facebook mm-hmm. and read Jimmy's letter about the record. He calls the bridge to speaking in tongues... The best thing he has ever written in his entire life, hmm. and he calls this album one of the top ten albums ever made. <laughs> I mean, and Jimmy does not say things like that. He never,
0: especially when you're going up against Bad Out of Hell one and two, which is the last two records that exclusively with Jim Diamond songs.
1: Yeah, um, well, if you count Bad Three, but I don't count that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh yeah, it had that stupid song on it. Um,
0: <laughs> but he didn't write all the songs in Bad at Hell 3, not all of them.
1: No, except right. for one and Okay. I didn't want to do it and it was a long story. Okay. But um
0: he's calling it the best album that he's ever done.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, he called he he called that song the best bridge, mm-hmm. the best writing that he's ever written. And he calls it one of the top 10 albums of all time. Hmm. And I, I get emails from him every day. He is totally freaked out. He's to, he's he's in panic mode over this record. <laughs> I go, Jim. It, you know, you can't. Whatever happens, happens, and don't don't anticipate. Don't think it's going to be it. Don't think it's going to be a failure. Don't put yourself. You know, up or down. Leave yourself straight in the middle. That way there's no disappointment. I said, I'm out here working as hard as I can to let as many people know about this record and how great this record is. Because it really is. I, people are going to argue because Band of Hell saw so many records. And there's, so, you know, it, it's it's so much part of their lives at mm-hmm. this point. But I think braver than they we are is the best record we've ever made. Really? Yeah. Wow.
0: Because, like you said, there's such a monstrous legend between Bat and Bat Two as well. To say that it's it's some pretty yeah.
1: Jimmy thinks you know Bat and this one, uh, this one blows Bat Two away. Hmm. Uh, but Bat of the Hell is going to be hard to. Argue with anybody <laughs> yeah. about because it's been around so long and become. It depends on what you read, whether it's the third biggest selling record of all time or the fifth biggest selling record of all time. I don't really care. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to catch us. It's huge, yeah. Yeah, it's it's over forty four million. How does
0: it How million. does it feel? Forty four million, third biggest of all time. You probably got Thriller, well, Eagles, Best of, and you and that. Well, you
1: have got Thriller, Back in Black with ACDC. Oh, okay.
0: I think the best of the Eagles, one of those ones, is, yeah, a, is the one of the biggest of the sellers. Right?
1: Now you have a, a Pink Floyd's in up in there, Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, uh, Rumors. Maybe it the the Metallica the Black Album. Maybe no. Okay, you're higher. Um, oh. After she died, Whitney Houston. Ah, oh, okay. All of a sudden, popped up there. Right, right, right. right. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> even close until then. But it doesn't make any difference. But
0: that's been 40 years of, of living with the fact that you have this monstrous yeah, record. Yeah,
1: but you know what? It's like you know this. You can't live on what you did yesterday.
0: Bingo, right.
1: You, you, that, that happened. That's great. People love it. I'm happy for them. In fact, I tell them, take my name off of it. Put your name on it. <laughs> because I will never tell anyone about It's just like I don't know why Jimmy wrote it, and I'll never tell anybody the character uh, that I used in singing it because I want people to find their own images. Mm -hmm. I want it to belong to them. I want the images and what they create to be their story, to be their life, to be – that's what I want it to be. Nothing I hurt, hate worse – then to listen, watch TV, or listen to a radio and hear an artist go, "Well, I, I wrote this album about when I broke up with my boyfriend, and and, uh, and all the trouble I had." I'm going, I don't want to hear that. Now then, I can't listen to the record without thinking about your damn boyfriend. <laughs> right? You know, Lee, just let me leave it alone. Don't tell me why. Let me hear the record. And let me create my own story out of it. Hmm. Let me live my life through your...
0: What does it mean to you? Yeah. Right,
1: right. Uh, It drives me crazy when people start... I wrote this because I ran over my cat with my green pickup truck. (laughs) Uh, You know, it really makes me crazy. (laughs)
3: Because
1: I think music is... And the other thing drives me crazy is when they ask if you're going to do the old songs. (laughs) And I go, okay. Would you say to somebody, "Let's go down to Carnegie Hall and listen to that old Mozart concerto"? Right. You, you don't say that. Mm-hmm. Let's go hear Mozart, and let's go hear that old opera Carmen. Right. The whole, yeah. the whole package, the whole set. Yeah. You don't. You don't call classical music old.
3: Mm-hmm. You don't
1: call the opera old. You've even stopped. Elvis has now stopped being called, let's go listen to those old Elvis songs.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Let's hear some Elvis. Right. So stop asking, you know, stop asking me or Bon Jovi or Springsteen (laughs) or or Pink Floyd or whoever, are we going to do the old (laughs) songs? They're not old. When you come to hear them, you still get that great feeling from them. They're not old.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. They're yours.
1: They're yeah, your they're, songs. they're yours. Right, right. They're not old. And when, they're not old to me because every night they're different.
0: You change them up, you mean? Are you talking about the reaction of the crowd? Or No,
1: I don't know what the crowd's doing. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. Except for I took the words when I want them to sing. Mm-hmm. And if they don't sing loud enough, I give them the finger. <laughs> and and uh, I got somebody on Facebook going, I thought you cared about your crown, and you gave him the finger. I wrote back. I go, it's a joke. Do you not have a sense of humor? I, I said, most people in there laugh when I do that. You know, what, what, what? It's a joke, and it does, it's barely a second that mm-hmm. it happens. It's not like I sit there for five minutes and I just go. Right, right, right. It's like, but it's almost part of the character, like you're kind yeah. of
0: you're pissed off at the moment. Like I, I notice that when I go see you, you really do get into it to the point where I wonder sometimes, does the band like is the band a little bit like not scared of you, but no. it's like,
1: oh, here he goes. No, you know what? They uh, it's like the promoters whenever we go to a show, the promoters are the are the, you know, the manager of the theater the mm-hmm. head crew chief will always come to me and say, you're the best band and crew that we've ever had here. Hmm. because we're, we're all down to earth. The one thing people keep going, is there something that people don't know about you? And I go, yeah, I will not allow them to use the word legend, star, or superstar in any advertising for an album or a, a show hmm. because I don't think of myself in those terms. I think of myself as another person with a job, <laughs> and my job is to get on stage and and entertain mm-hmm. and, and and actually, it's not that much per hour in, in comparison <laughs> right in comparison to lawyers or doctors or even plumbers <laughs> or electricians now. I mean I'm pretty cheap per hour. <laughs> That's if, what I'll, if you look at it that way. That's what
0: Alice Cooper said. They don't pay me for the two hours on stage. They pay me for the twenty-two hours in getting to the stage. That's
1: right, right? Yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah, he, he see Alice understand. It, it's it's not getting getting on the stage is not that hard, but packing and traveling, especially when you get to the age of Alice or me or or any you know. And then the young ones now don't even want to tour, Mm -hmm. except for um, uh, Taylor Swift. She really likes it. But I've heard these uh, young bands out at Rob Cavallo's house, who who produced an album called Hango Teddy Bear. And I go, so you got on the road? No, we just came off. We don't want to go back out again. I'm going, how old are you? Oh, I'm 23. How old are you? 24. I'm going... Get back on the road. (laughs) I said I was doing 200 shows a year when I was 45. Mm -hmm. You know, what's wrong with you? I was doing 200 shows when I was 50. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: You know, Springsteen, I I don't even know how he does it. If you look at his schedule, he's not touring now. But when he does go out, he'll do like four shows in a row. Mm -hmm. Three hours each. yeah, Yeah, and it's like...
0: But is that how it was for you in the 70s? You kind of came up that way. You guys went on the road and you would tour tour your records. Yeah. And even for you too, when you did the Broadway stuff like Hair and all that stuff, you're touring.
1: Yeah, and he uh, – well, when you do eight shows a week, that's – you. everybody else would lose their voice but me. And i go, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> now I lose my voice. Uh, but Springsteen, I think the reason he does four in a row, his voice gets raspy. I think the raspier it gets, the more he likes it. Mm-hmm. Where my tone is so clear that when I get raspy, people hate it. Yeah, uh, right, right, right. Because it's so powerful; it's known as just this powerful yeah. booming voice, right? When, when Springsteen gets raspy, they love it. When I get <laughs> raspy, they hate it. It's like hey, I, I, I go. And so I said to, to my to little Stephen. I said, what does Springsteen do before the show? He goes, he drinks water with black pepper. Hmm. So I went, oh, okay. So I drink water with black pepper and all that happened was I got raspy. I went, oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, no wonder he drinks water with black pepper.
0: (laughs) That's the secret, right. He
1: wants that that raspy quality. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't have that.
0: No, it's not your style of singing. No. People
1: want that clear tone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, even his tone changed. I was watching uh, him sing with Jimmy Fallon. And Jimmy Fallon said it more like Bruce Springsteen (laughs) than Bruce did. Yeah. Because Bruce is older. You know, he's a year old, younger than Mm -hmm. me. So your tone just changes. Well, as you get
0: older, it does.
1: You know, yeah, the, but people people get bad out of hell, and that's all they know, and they come to the show 40 years later and expect you to sound like bad out of hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to happen. Right. All right. No I, matter how mad I wanted to. I mean, I can make two out of three sound like it did on the record because it was sped up, and I thought it sounded like Alvin from the Chipmunks. <laughs> it was sped mm-hmm. up? Oh, yeah. Really? Because it, we couldn't, we had over 51 minutes of music and you couldn't have over 50. So we had to speed the whole record up. I've never sounded like that.
0: You're kidding me? No. So it's turned up just a notch so it's a little bit high. I never knew that.
1: Yeah, so it's like, baby, we can talk all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that ain't. So I go out there and sing it like that, but how stupid would that be? You know, I give me a break. <laughs> Wow! So you had to
0: you had to put fifty minutes of music on the album, yeah, twenty five we aside. Get any
1: volume, right? Any sonically, volume out of the record. So it was sped up. The only one that really bugs me was two out of three. Hmm. And when it was a hit, and it would come on the radio, I'd turn it off. <laughs> and artists always want to hear themselves on the radio. I mean, I remember the, the first time we knew what time it was going to be played. By Scott Muni in uh, New York and NEW, and mm-hmm. he told us exactly the time. So we were sitting around the radio waiting. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And I remember the first time was in 70, 1970 when I had the album with Stoney and Meatloaf. We were in Motown, and we just left the radio station, and they were playing our song. And there's a guy walking down the street with a giant boombox, and the song was playing. And we got him to stop <laughs> and put the boombox down. We just sit and listen. All right. It was like, whoa. Yeah. We're on the radio. And it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, that when when it first happens, man. Now it's not. It's like oh, okay. Well, I do want to hear speaking in tongues on the radio. In the radio, yeah. If there's yeah.
0: anywhere they even play rock music on the radio, you know, there is
1: Triple to... A and. A national public radio still plays. <laughs> yeah, no, really? Play okay. Music and they sell records like crazy. And uh, a classic rock won't play because they only play the classic play new yeah. stuff. Right.
0: Which always uh, blows my mind, uh,
1: you know? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense
2: whatsoever. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads.
0: Let me ask you a question quickly. You're talking about like Bad out of the Hell or Paradise or, you know, um, the, the songs that you released as singles. They're long songs, especially from the first Battle of the Hell record. Was it hard to try and sell them to radio? Like we've got a six-minute single. We've got an eight-minute single. No, radio just
1: um, – we we edited two out of three. Mm-hmm. And they played that and t- took the words was already short enough for them. Mm-hmm. And in Paradise, they just picked up on, and DJs loved it because they said, we love your music. We can go to the bathroom and get a (laughs) cup of coffee. Uh, We love your stuff. Just put your song on and leave for 10 minutes and come back, right? Yeah. (laughs) They loved it. They absolutely loved it. But... uh, this uh, new, I'm braver than we are. I'm gonna go back to it again. Sure, of course. Because
0: um, that single too, you're talking about uh, going all the way. That's 11 minutes long as well.
1: Yeah, and they we may they they, they this ring company has has been driving us crazy, <laughs> giving us last minute notices for stuff. Mm-hmm. So my assistant comes in after the show and goes, I just got this email. They want an edit of. Uh, Going all the way, and I'm going. Well, how are we supposed to do that? And so we get on the bus, tour bus, and Paul goes. Well, only thing I got's an MP3 of it. I mean, we can edit it. I can't crossfade it properly, and so we had to send it to him. And Rolling Stone started playing it on their website. <laughs> it was it sounded terrible. I mean, we hated it. And finally, we made a real version of it, which now everybody's got. It's mastered. Uh, but I kept telling the record company, that's not the first single.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The first single is speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. I said, first of all, it's only three minutes. We can make it 337, which is perfect for radio. And Stacy, Michelle, just... Blows the roof off the song. The the vocalist on it? There's yeah. No the, on the, it. the girl. Right. Uh, she She's out with Kid Rock right now. She's been with Kid Rock for about 10 years. Mm. And she's engaged to. I don't think I played on the record. Um,
2: guitar player? Or? Ricky Menlock. Oh,
1: Ricky Menlock, okay. Yeah. From he, Leonard Skinner From Leonard and He plays the end of Train Alone, of mm-hmm. Sly Guitar. And really, what the record should do, and if I could. I would have put the record on a disc about six times, mm-hmm. and just crossfaded that slide guitar into that begin that opening. So it's one big loop, and just the record just keeps yeah. playing <laughs> because the record is I. And seriously, I have listened to this record more mm. times than I have listened. To all the other records I've made, accumulatively. <laughs> I this record is hypnotic, and I I just put it on the other day just to I was checking some speakers, and it started and I just I just started listening to it, and all of a sudden my eyes were closed and I was off somewhere, and I was into souvenirs and my wife comes in and goes. Hey, are you going to eat dinner? That's like 45 minutes into the record. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm going, what? (laughs) I mean, it was like, it's hypnotic. I mean, it's really hypnotic. What is
0: the magic between you and Jim Steinman? I mean, they're definitely, like you mentioned, the three biggest records that you've done have all been with him exclusively.
1: I think the magic is I don't ask him what he writes about. He didn't ask me what What I'm singing about. about. Yeah. And plus, he's he's one of the top ten writers ever to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back. I'm talking about Mahler, Mozart. I'm talking about Sammy Kahn. I'm talking about
0: Gershwin. You're talking Gershwin. about
1: that. Yeah. That's who I was looking for. Gershwin, mm-hmm. uh, Steinman. Uh, you know, he's not a. Uh, I mean, Linda McCartney were great. Um, But as far as, I mean, they were real writers. Steinman is a true writer. He's mm -hmm. not somebody that talks about, you know, I want to have sex with my girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, I mean, he does. But But in
0: in very clever
1: ways. Yes, in clever ways. For other people, I mean, he knows how to turn a phrase. Mm -hmm. And his classical stuff which people don't really ever hear, is phenomenal. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard it. No, nobody has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have. Yeah. I've heard some.
0: Was there ever a Steinman song that, that he gave to somebody else that you wish you would have done?
1: Well, we were going to do It's All Coming Back to Me Now on um, that too, mm. but I wanted it as a duet, and he said to me, well, we've only got a duet in Anything for Love. Let's save It's All Coming Back for me now for the next record. I said, okay, that's a deal. And then Celine called him up and goes, you got these songs? And he gave it to Celine. That I think that's the only time I've ever been mad at it. <laughs> and I called him up and I said, what are you doing? This was supposed to be in our next record. Yeah. He goes, well, Celine called me and, and asked me if I wanted to produce it and and I, I couldn't say no, and I, I went, okay, fine. But I, I think that's, that may be the only time I've ever been mad.
0: Mad at him for giving it away? Yeah. Because he's
1: got it. so many great songs, like Totally Clips of the Heart is, is totally well, a meatloaf type that song. A, that was, I don't think it was a finished song, mm-hmm. but it was in a contract. That uh, Making Love Out of Nothing at All, Total Eclipse There's another the heart, one, yeah. And one other song.
0: Holding Up for a Hero, maybe?
1: No. Nope. Okay. No, That's another song bad. never got written. Mm. They were supposed to be on the next record. hmm And uh, Jimmy wasn't producing it. Jimmy was in the middle of something. And Tom Down was going to produce it. Mm-hmm. Who's a very famous producer. In fact, he's the person who invented editing.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Frank Sinatra, he was an engineer at Frank Sinatra's studio, recordings. Mm-hmm. And Frank liked uh, this piece and this piece. And they said, well, we got to do it over. And Frank goes, my voice, I can't do it over. We're going to have to wait. And Tom goes, wait. I think I think I can do this mm-hmm. and he edited did two pieces together oh, okay <laughs> so and it there was you go. like a new thing was born. yeah, yeah. editing right and it was Tom hmm. down so um CBS was having a huge oh they were oh I know what it was. Stein wasn't doing anything, and nobody would let him do anything because he created such havoc over the record that I was supposed to do, but I couldn't do bad for good, Mm -hmm. that the record company got so mad, they called up Tom Dowd and said, if you do any Jim Steinman songs, we're not paying
2: for them. Oh, wow.
1: So here I sit with Total Eclipse of the Heart and making love out of nothing at all, that later became number one and number two (laughs) in the country at the same time. And I've said that, and Bonnie Tyler goes, Oh, he didn't He didn't have Total Climps of the Heart. I'm going, well, no, I didn't have the song, but I had the title on a piece of paper that I was supposed to get the song. No, when it was written, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that, I'll show you the piece of paper.
0: It does have meatloaf written the, all over yeah. it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, so, and what's interesting on this record is, is Steinman wanted people to hear... Where certain pieces came from, A song called Skull. Yes, and on Skull, the lyric "Turn around, bright eyes" is yeah. on there, and that's where it originally came oh, from.
0: Oh, from Total Eclipse of the Heart.
1: It, it, you know, it came from that song Skull. Right, but but that's from but later and appeared Jimmy, in Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah. When Jimmy Barr stuff, that song "Going All the Way Tonight" is taken. Well, two verses are re- are new. Then going all the way is from some musical that never happened <laughs> and Braver the chorus of Braver Than We Are is from the musical uh, Dance of the Vampires.
0: So he's got all intertwining. Yeah, they're yeah. all
1: intertwined. He does that. He bars them himself like crazy. But you're allowed to do that. And so I said, what do you think about me doing Total Eclipse of the Heart? He said, I think it's a great idea. And I said, but I'm not pre- – it's not – I said to him – the production sucks and he and there was a pause and he goes i produced that <laughs> and then there was another pause and i went oh put in mouth <laughs> and uh, then he laughed and <laughs> it sounds nothing and and i gave it the, the, the dramatic interpretation mm-hmm. that it really needed and stacy and I raised it two keys from what Bonnie had. Mm. I still wanted it higher. Mm. But Stacy Michelle was at the top of her range. And I had, I had already coached her in how to do it. So I wasn't going to try to bring somebody. And she's got a great voice. So I wasn't going to try to coach somebody else. And, I, and it wouldn't work with Carla or Ellen or – Right, right, right. And Stacy was perfect. Hmm. But you can hear her. She's at, at the top. top.
0: Yeah, top of the range. Oh, man, top of,
1: range. top
2: of her range. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
0: Let me ask you quickly about uh, a fun thing that you did on the Pick of Destiny movie when you sang Kickapoo with you and Jack Black and Ronnie James Dio.
1: That's a great tune. Yeah, they they fooled me on that one. Oh, did they? Uh, Yeah, they they said, can you come up and do a demo? I said, yeah, but uh, you got to let me redo it. And so I was on my way to Vegas to a football draft. So I stopped by the – was the Chemical Brothers? Yeah. House and did that in about 10 minutes. (laughs) Oh, really? Just banged it out? And never heard from them again. (laughs) And the next thing you know, that's what's in the film. (laughs) Sounds great though. (laughs) Yeah. I went, okay. (laughs) But, you know, once you got away from the movie – and I wasn't that character. Mm-hmm. As me watching myself, full queen, and and these people off the walls, the posters, yeah. Oh, was like, oh my god. <laughs> but He's, as his father, he was a piece of cake. Right, you're playing his evil father. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, don't like these people, and I don't want them up here, and that's it. Yeah. And I didn't know Dio was on the back of the door. <laughs> Or he would have been gone. Right, right. right. <laughs> but I just love the
0: combination of these two powerful singers together. Yeah. That was good. Uh, another thing I want to ask you, it was funny. Somebody told me this. Is this true? Did you play in a WWF music video, play drums? Yes. <laughs> you got to tell
1: me that one. In I never the, even knew this.
0: In 84. 84, Land of a Thousand Dances. Yeah. Which was Cindy, the wrestlers singing. Cindy
1: Lauper was there singing. Yeah, no,
0: all the wrestlers would sing the chorus.
1: Yeah, and it was uh, Cindy was the one who called <laughs> me up and said, they want you to come out and, and play drums. They go, I don't play drums. She goes, you don't really have to. It's on tape. You just got to fake it. So they sent me the tape, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I nobody paid. They didn't shoot my foot. <laughs> I mean, I was banging my foot, but but I knew the fills and
0: yeah. And, and yeah. Was everyone gathered like all this menagerie of freaks hanging around? Too oh,
1: uh, uh, um, Lou Albano had. Uh, a, a trunk full of he was like selling watches and bags and <laughs> things out of his trunk I bought something from him and I sat next to Andre the Giant mm-hmm. at lunch and they were serving chickens he ate nine whole chickens <laughs> I'm watching him and first of all he sits down with five and I'm gonna, my, I've got like you know, uh, like, a, like a breast with a leg, you know, <laughs> or a thigh with a leg. And he's got five chickens. And I'm going, he's going to eat all that? And so we ate all that went back got four more. And Cindy was across from me. And Cindy and I kept going, look at him. <laughs> Unbelievable. How can you eat all that? Not even I can eat all that. And <laughs> your meatloaf, right. But, oh, Rowdy Ronnie Piper was there, and mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan was there, and, oh, man, I can't even tell you yeah. all of them that were there.
0: That's so funny. I had no idea. Yeah.
1: pointed that out. It, it, and then I did that, uh, I let that guy who does the sleeper hold or whatever it is, I went was on.
0: Was it maybe Adrian Adonis or something like that? Or I'm trying to think who did the sleeper hold. Maybe Bob Orton, something like that. I
1: don't know. He did, anyway, I went on in Pittsburgh, I think it was. Mm-hmm. About five, six years ago, and and he flipped me over his shoulder, oh. and <laughs> and, uh, and then it was a it wasn't a sleeper hole. It was some kind. It was, but it wasn't your typical. Mm-hmm. It was some trick this guy had. He was the champion at the time. Okay, uh, I see his face, but I can't remember his name. Gotcha. So he did it to you There,
0: <laughs> it's uh, just getting down to the last few questions. Now that you got this great new album, "Braver Than We Are," you go back on the road again, and still, still going out there for as much as you can. Uh, we're or gonna the-
1: go. Well, I gotta, I gotta deal with my back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were gonna go out on the road in the fall, but I have to deal with my back, and I had to. My knee had surgery, and never healed, so I have to go back to therapy for that, and. And uh, and this
0: is all from rock and roll. This is all from the from you exerting well, yourself on football. stage and
1: playing football when you
0: were younger, right?
1: Well, yeah, I've had 19 concussions. Wow, wow. <laughs> that's why I couldn't find it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right, exactly. That's why you left your, <laughs> lost your cell phone too. I lost cell my
1: phone. cell phone. I couldn't find this for two hours.
0: <laughs> Do you still like going out on tour?
1: I I like the I like the show part. I don't like the packing part. Mm-hmm. I hate packing. I hate getting up and going, oh, God, do we have to move?
3: <laughs>
1: I got to pack. And the packing drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes and gets the bag. Then it's OK. Right. Getting on the bus, riding on the bus, no big deal. When it's a really long bus ride, I I generally charter because mm-hmm. I can't sleep on a bus. Right. And so we get the next town.
0: Meet up with the guys
1: again yeah I, go back to, I can go to sleep yeah. do you still drop
0: into character all the way when you're on stage oh yeah yeah, that's my favorite oh, thing I to watch start, you do that
1: oh I start getting into character About I'll start running through the different characters are who they're they're going to change on stage you'll see me I have all these trick what they what an actor calls a trigger to get to change the characters like bad of the Hell is I lick and then tap my chest. And that's my trigger for that character on am about Hell. <laughs> help. Others, I, you see me walk in circles. Others, I'll slap my leg. I, I have all these different mm. triggers. And if you really come to the show and you watch me, you'll see that every song, each of those guys has different hand movements.
3: Hmm.
1: And they, they one might stand leaning to the right, one might stand leaning to the left, one might stand straight up, not have the mic at all, and they all have different hand movements. Like the bad hand movement is that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's they just all are. They all have different movements, and I learned that from Brando actually, because Brando that's what he would do first before every character before you ever study the line, is get the physical attributes of the character. Oh. So I've recorded the songs, but before I go to rehearse them, I will get the physical attributes of that character. Now, the characters might change, but they will have the same Mm -hmm. physical attributes. That's too complicated. That's Uh, part
0: of being a good singer That was really uh, Finding It's like acting You're you're turning into that
1: Well, will put it best Meatloaf is an an actor Who acts like he can sing (laughs) And I thought That was the best description of me that anybody has ever said. Me loves an actor who acts like he can sing. That's perfect. That is perfect.
0: Last two questions. What's your favorite song on Braver Than We Are? Thinking what you're going to say. And what's your favorite song to play live out of all your songs?
1: Well, my favorite song to play live is For Crying Out Loud. Really? But I can't do it because we did it on what I thought was going to be my last tour in the the U.K., Mm. We did Bat out of the Hell in Order. Mm-hmm. We did Bat and "In" with Crying Out Loud. And every time I go to sing Crying Out Loud, I start to cry mm. before I ever start. And I tell the audience, we're going to do Crying Out Loud, but I'm going to cry first. <laughs> and I'll cry and I'll go, okay, I can't start till like And I, I, I can't help it. I think mm. it's the best love song ever written mm-hmm. by anybody, by Gersh by anybody.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I did a Gershwin track with George Martin. Somebody Loves Me, I think it's called. And uh, George Martin said to me, how do you want to do it? I said, what do you mean, how do I want to do it? He goes, well, you know, like this guy came in and wanted to do it blues. This guy came in and wanted to rock it a little. I said, well, they were wrong. <laughs> I said, we're going to do it like Gershwin he goes are you kidding I go well why would you change Gershwin and he goes I love you (laughs) I go well yeah (laughs) and it's like you don't change Steinman
0: yeah you keep it good yeah keep it the way it's supposed to be and your favorite song on uh, Braver Than We Are
1: it's probably uh, Why it's a tie Well, god that's tough it's hard right it's tough now um The first three are, are, uh, and then Souvenirs, but Who Needs the Young is, like, so powerful. Mm -hmm. And that character is just uh, so angry. And there's a song on there called More. That's a great tune. Well, I never knew it was recorded before. Hmm. And then I found out that a band called Sisters of Mercy recorded it. And so I said, they did? (laughs) And that character is a 19-year-old serial killer, by the way. Oh, OK. Of course. <laughs> if, if you really listen to him, you'll hear it. And so I listened to Moore's version and I went, yeah, OK. That I mean they did it real pop. Mm-hmm. And we did it rock. Yeah. I mean yeah. we did it like heavy metal. Yeah. But between Who Needs the Young going all the way and speaking in tongues. All great tunes. Yeah. Yeah. My first three are my favorite three. The uh, the character of a 19-year-old in every song. I love it. Yep. And the last one, Train of Love, which I forgot to tell you, is everybody will think it's about a guy trying to find a girl. But I did it as a 19-year-old trying to find himself.
3: Hmm. That's great.
1: I've been knocking on your window. I've been knocking on your door. I've been just – I've been waiting for a reply. You know, it's mm-hmm.
3: like
1: – And I ended – I added lyrics to the song, and I ended the song with, I don't even know who I am. Gotcha, right. And everybody who hears it will think, oh, it's about a girl. It's not. Hmm. It's t- about a 19-year-old trying to discover who in the hell he is.
0: Trying to find himself? Yeah. I'm glad you found the studio today.
1: <laughs> it was nipping and tuck. I know, man. It's like I, I and it. I said to my wife, you know where it is? She goes, yeah. And we drove right <laughs> past it i mean yeah it's like i said i hate to cut us short almost well, but you, i gotta hit the plane gotta, too so you
0: gotta go it's great talking to you man nice talking thank you, I'm you I'm so much you. i'm glad me i too. got here
1: i know me too i mean i ain't giving up <laughs> i literally <ain't> giving up <laughs> thanks
0: meat yeah man thanks to meatloaf one of the legendary singers of all time his new album braver than we are is out this friday it's a uh, he did it with longtime collaborator jim steinman let me tell you this it's a grower not a shower. The first time I heard it, I was like, what? Then I listened to it three or four times. And, man, it's actually a really, really strong album. I really dig it. It's fine tradition. Love, a great chemistry between Jim Steinman and Meatloaf. you got to check this record out. If you're a Meatloaf fan and you know where to check it out, you can get the album on Amazon. You can, even buy an, uh, you can even buy an autographed vinyl version of the new album on Amazon as well. So go over there and get yourself a copy. And if you do, please use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links to do it. Check out them Amazon links at podcast1.com. You click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page. Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for USA, UK, and Canada. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage of this show to cover production costs, next no to fees, and challenges. And if you buy something on Amazon using my links, take a picture of it post it on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho I will retweet it and follow you that's the type of uh, rocker I am go to podcast1.com click on the killer deals button uh, and then uh, go to that top right corner of the page and hit the Talk is Jericho button right? all the great sponsors are there as well DDP Yoga get 20% off the DDP Yoga program plus 3 months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app you go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho DraftKings use my promo code Y2J to play for free with your first deposit at DraftKings.com dsi.com, use my promo code Jericho25 to get $25 free to try the service and don't forget March 15, 2017 it's the, the biggest, biggest podcast ever. ever Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho 181 days and counting and we're counting down to the 60 second AP News headlines that's coming up next and as, uh, as far as Friday goes coming up next I got the hottest uh, internet sensation one of the greatest enhancement guys going today, James Ellsworth james ellsworth every man with two hands stands a fighting chance he got destroyed by braun Strowman a few months ago but became the hottest new thing in the WWE. and he reappeared on smackdown on tuesday night he's one of the hottest things you got going on he's one of the biggest things in the company and of course he's here on talk is jericho those are the type of guests i bring you all the way from the greatest of all time to mr james ellsworth no chin we call him He's going to address that. Very excited for James. He's a good guy, and uh, he deserves all the success and all the buzz he's getting. He's going to get even more buzz after Talk is Jericho this Friday. Stick around. Thanks to Meatloaf for being here this week, and we'll thank you, and we we'll love you, and, uh, and, uh, and a big yeah, boy, to you and yours. See you on Friday.
2: You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's PodcastONE.com.